Welcome to the Mortar and Pestle, a PCCA podcast where we discuss all things compounding and all things concerning independent pharmacy. Now, here are your hosts, Mike Delisio, North American Sales Director, and Sebastian Dennison, Clinical Compounding Pharmacist. Welcome, Compounding World, and welcome to the latest episode of a Mortar and Pestle, a PCCA podcast. This is Mike Delisio, and as always, I am joined by Sebastian Dennison. Mike, it feels like we've been out of the booth for a while, so it's good to be back. It always does. And it always, it's always amazing to have a guest that, you know, looking back at our history, we started recording in 2018, the third episode that we ever recorded, and which I believe was the third and the fourth, was with Dr. Ross Caputo, president and CEO of Eagle Analytical, and we are so fortunate to have you back, Ross. Well, thank you, my friend. It's a pleasure. I can't believe it's been that long. It has been. Four years, and right before we started recording, we were discussing you know, some of the topics that were extremely relevant four years ago. We can probably touch on some of the same topics today. The relevancy doesn't really go away. Um, but you, know, you and I were having some conversations lately. We were recently together at the APC Owner Summit in Phoenix. I know you gave um, a critical presentation to to what, probably, what, 120, 130 owners that reconvened, and it was great to see that many people at a live event as well. But, you know, I, I, we see your presence at shows. We know how important Eagle is to, to the whole business, both 503A and 503B. It's always amazing to get your insight, Ross, and I think that's why we wanted to have you back. You know, a lot's changed. Um, you're seeing different trends. You're seeing different things that are extremely relevant to independent community pharmacy and probably have a lot to unpack today. You know, we can, we can start off in different directions, but I would say first question, you know, what are, what are some of the things that you believe independents should be very cognizant of right now and, and what you've noticed in the last couple of years? Well, sure. And, th- and thank you for having me back. Uh, I think today there's the most important thing that I'm seeing is there's a bit of a confusion on a very important issue. Insanitary conditions doesn't mean dirty. Oh, it can be dirty, and that clearly would be insanitary. In fact, it'd be unsanitary if it was really dirty. Insanitary is sort of having the chance to get dirty. Uh, About 65% of all issues with boards of pharmacies, FDAs, and in general audits all come from issues with insanitary conditions. And some of the independents, God love them, say, but I have a clean pharmacy. Well, it's not always the issue of that it's clean or not clean. It's could it cause a problem. This is an important designation in nomenclature or verbiage to understand that difference because standing on the outside, insanitary, unsanitary, why does that matter? And you described it really well, like cooking food. You know, you can have contaminated food or you can have conditions that can lead to contamination. And as pharmacy, we've, we've been recognizing that the potential for contamination is such, a, it's such a, a, an important topic, but it's also a focus of where the FDA is involved and state boards of pharmacy are becoming involved. And so we're, we're, doing, we're, we're, we're moving in the right direction and evolving as well. So did you want to speak to what some of our plans are and what we're actually currently doing? Well, I, I want to do that, but I want to also say things. Sometimes the nomenclature gets a bit different. A board of pharmacy will say potential of causing an issue, and the FDA will see the probability of getting one. It means the same thing, but the words are used differently. The probability of contamination is when I 
I walk into a room and I didn't wash my hands. There's a probability or a potential, depending on if the Board of Pharmacy or whatever, but the fact is, you may not. It's all probability. But what, what we look at in insanitary conditions today, it's grown from, I found a bug in the ceiling tiles. I found a bug in the light, which, by the way, are still there. We've got to get those out, okay? But the real issue today is cross-chemical contamination is an insanitary condition. Insanitary doesn't mean dirty, doesn't mean microbial. It means anything, and something is not supposed to be there. So an insanitary condition, I didn't clean something well enough, or I didn't make sure that my one drug is not going to contaminate the other drug at whatever level. It may or may not be a clinical issue, but it certainly is an issue that it's not supposed to be there. So an insanitary condition, which is absolutely the biggest thing, goes over everything. It goes over potential, goes over dirt, it goes over anything that can and would impact cardboard boxes. Shouldn't exist on this in our planet of, of medical world. It just shouldn't. If you walk into a pharmacy and there's cardboard anywhere near the door that's going to go into even the 795 room, okay? We're not talking sterile here. Cardboard carries a lot of particulate, dust, and dirt, which everything comes flying in with it. Whether it's a bacteria, insects, you name it, that's how it works out. So I think the understanding of expanding out our thought process in sanitary conditions, in my mind, is baseball bats and elephants. Sterility testing is a little small things you can't see, and potency testing are very small amounts of what we're doing about inside conditions, baseball bats and elephants. You have mud on your shoes. And, and this, is, this goes beyond just the hazardous drug world. This is, like oh you God, said, yes. cross-contamination of any drugs, regardless of whether they should be there, beta-lactams, cephalosporins, Oof. those are not under the hazardous drug, but have strict criteria in the manufacturing world, and now it's being extended. But even like you said, non-drug matter, rust, filth, bug components, mold, like molds, everything. Mm -hmm. It's everything. So. Well, it, it is, it's always been that way, and now it's just been underlined and underscored because more issues have shown up and more problems have shown up. Insanitary is just a, a big deal, big deal. But try to remember that they will write you up for insanitary conditions if your potency is off. I want you to know that, that anything that impacts the quality of the product, they can turn into an insanitary condition. It's an unexpected event that happens. It gets really expanded, really expanded. It, what stands out to me, Ross, too, is um, one thing I would say, given your role, not only as CEO and president, but also what Eagle represents to the market, you know, looking at aggregate data and just really looking at data as a whole in terms of what pharmacies are facing, looking at 483s, um, and looking to see what pharmacies are doing to respond. Has it been, I'm not going to use the word shocking, but is it, is it concerning or is it something that you keep on analyzing to say like, hey guys, this is a common trend. This is something that is replicating itself um, and has been consistently uh, a focal point of inspectors. The answer is absolutely yes. And, and we have Eagle, we try to help our members, we try to help the pharmacy world by we monitor each individual pharmacy that we test for in the pharmacy world in general. But many of the pharmacies are zeros, zeros to 0.1, which is sort of a natural human being thing, if you will. 0.1 is, is just not a big number. And the same thing, actually, Mike, and it's in sterility too. We have sterility tests that used to be, used to be measured in whole numbers as percentage failures. We're less than 1% across the board. And there are many, many pharmacies that have zero sterility test positive rates. One pharmacy got one, 
about six months ago. Hadn't had one for seven years. Pharmacy ripped the place apart to see what was wrong, to see what was going on. That's, that is absolutely the commitment of the true independent pharmacy to deliver the best product to a patient. And that, that's to be commended. The world's getting better. The pharmacy world, the independent pharmacists have reacted not only to the rules, not only to the rules of the new, new world, but to the science, to understanding why you do it, where you do it, and frankly, understanding that it's very efficient and cost-effective to do it too, but it's value-added to the patient. Cost-effective sometimes means your patient gets better quicker, that quicker, that's okay. It works that way. So that, that's, that's how it's been working. And, and you've, you've kind of led yourself to this point, but I'll, I'll ask the obvious question. The science is changing in our, in our tools to make better products, higher quality, better testing. This is where we're, we're leading to now. And so what, what's in, what we're doing in Eagle is reflective of what we're learning. So it's kind of a building upon the data points and then saying, how can we do better? So which are the things that you're seeing had the most profound impact over even the last three to four years? Well, frankly, the last three to four years, testing that's being applied into independent you know, pharmacies and, and, and compounding in general are the high-tech systems that have been used for maybe a decade or so in big pharma, big batches. We now are able to use it, and we do use it for the batches that are made. And PCCA, with its Formula Plus and its activities, we do just a tremendous amount of testing. Formulas don't get out the door until they go through just months of testing at all certain levels. Uh, we talk about stability indicating assays that need to get done for a compounding pharmacy to do to make sure their stability is good. We do five times that amount for a Formula Plus coming out the door. We just beat the heck out of it and break it down to little pieces and do all sorts of testing, multiple people, multiple machines, multiple times to make sure that it's robust and rugged. Those things are being applied. But we are applying statistics, and we are, statistics become predictive. But you can't use statistics on two and three numbers. We have thousands of numbers. If you test with Eagle today, you can go to a, little, a new tab on Eagle Tracks that will do a process control chart since the beginning of your test, testing, I'm sorry, testing with Eagle Tracks, which now goes back to about September 2019, to look at a process control chart to know your 95% confidence limits, plus or minus, you know, 10% going through their predictive model where it's going to see if they're going up, if they're going down, or if they're sawtoothing the right way they're saying. It's the same thing for sterility testing, endotoxin potency, that's all in there. And frankly, we supply it to our members for free. We want you to know what you're doing. We want you to know how to look at your data. Well, we look at it as scientists statistically. I, I don't know much about clinical impact at all. I know I got better or I didn't. You know, that kind of deal. That's my, I'm a plus minus sort of guy. But I can tell you if, if you're trending up or trending down over time and what that rate or slope looks like, and we're, just, we're simply giving it back to the members so they can predict what they're doing. If you're constantly going up, you might want to make sure you don't overdose. You want to be careful. Take a look at your, your scales, right? If you're going down, take a look at it again. And the ones that are looking at, at sterility testing, they see that they're very low, non-existent. Would have been good, I think, for some others, not, not PCCA folks, because we were good on the glutathione issue. You would have seen endotoxin spikes. We had none. We had, we had none of what was going on with our product and that stuff. So statistics are a big deal. So statistics on data, we always would say, we continue to say, if you're going to collect data and put it in your drawer, don't collect it. You've got to look at it. You've got to study it. You've got to analyze it. 
this cross-chemical contamination. We introduced to the marketplace something we never would have a few years ago, right? We have a little swab kit. We send you a swab kit, you take it, you, we have a little template in there, you swab your, your lab bench or your scale, your balance, anything you have, you send it to us and we will tell you for the price of a potency test if you have cross-chemical contamination or not. If in fact your cleaning was, that worked, was it verified, did it get validated, does it work, that function. Those tests were never done before, Sebastian. We just didn't do them. The technology that used it wasn't there. The level of detection, the science, the methodology of it just didn't exist. So over these last four years, we've done thousands of formulations and thousands of data points. So now we've turned around and applied it to give more tools to the pharmacists. You know, Ross, I, I wanna, wanna do this right too. I, I'm, I'm thinking about our audience. Some of them may not have listened to episode three. You know, we may have captured people that were- Shame on them. Uh, they can always- Go back and yeah. listen. Hey. Start with number one. The, the amazing part about podcasts is that the episodes live, um, they live there forever. So, you know, to do, to do things right, to make sure that, you know, everyone understands the full capabilities of Eagle, how you assist, we'll, we'll dive into what you just discussed in terms of Surface Shield and the ability to test your workspace for insanitary conditions and cross-contamination. But maybe want, want to take a step back and, you know, beyond the what we're going to get into also, um, as that being a focal point, thinking of the world of sterility, thinking of the world of potency, the full breadth of what Eagle does for independence. Maybe we'll do a quick review and that will be the segue into why Surface Shield is so super important and, and also an amazing tool based on the data that you've acquired over time and why it was launched recently? Well, Eagle is today able to do any test that not only you can imagine, whether it's sterile or non-sterile, there are requirements for you to know microbial load. Even in a 795 product, you're not allowed to have, please read the new 795, you need to know that it's not loaded with particular microorganisms, even total microorganisms. We do that kind of testing. USP numbers, right, 61 and 62, go look them up. What they say is you can't have filth. You can't have it, it can't be there. You can have a number, but you can't have some number X. We also, we also do heavy metals and impurities and activities, whether they're in creams or they're in solutions or in suspensions or in APIs. We can break down and do full monograph testing of any product that can be a question. Now, do we do that normally for an independent pharmacy? No. Have we been requested by some pharmacies? The answer is yes. We have always done, always done stability assays with stability indicating assays. Way back in the day, someone did a potency over time, they kept it in his drawer, send it back three days later, and go do another test, send it back another month later, do another test, and that just was never acceptable and it was never acceptable because scientifically it wasn't valid. And what I'm saying by that is that when a product breaks down, it breaks down into baby pieces, right? And can you tell the pieces from the whole? Well, guess what? Some of those baby pieces that may not be clinically effective can still look like or assimilate in the column as if, as if it were a clinically effective whole piece. You have to be able to tell the parts from the whole. And so stability indicating assay is something Eagle started a long time ago in doing. We break down the pieces, we break down the products using four or five different treatments, acid, base, heat, mechanical, all sorts of stuff 
that what we do is try to break it down forcibly. And light's a big deal, as we all know we have so many. So many of our products are light sensitive. We can tell the difference. If we, if we take something in a white clear vial for 15 minutes, there are certain products, we won't mention all prostitutes, certain products that just begin to break down immediately. And you can tell it, and you can actually measure it, okay? So this type of activity, five years ago, you knew existed, but you weren't quite sure. I'm going to put it in an amber bag. Well, let me help you out. Better start with the amber bottle because a clear vial in an amber bag doesn't do the same thing, all right? It takes too much. It takes too long. All of this science we have been applying today and over the last several years on how the independent pharmacy works. It works differently than a manufacturer. It works differently than a hospital. It works different. It has its own world. I mean, hospitals make something, and within, Lord knows, 6 to 24 hours, it's gone. Okay, so whatever breakdown happens, breaks down quickly. But I can guarantee you they need to worry about light sensitivity as well. They need to worry about a whole lot of insanitary conditions. So when we, we developed methods and systems and in, impacted how we do business as an independent, which is different than how others do business, what we have tried to do is to make life better and easier. The more that the, the I guess, the whole market has morphed. It's more from I made one or two to now I make 25 or 30. It's, and they do. I mean, they're making bigger batches. Well, it's not arithmetic, okay? It's not if I, I do this for five, I'll do three times for 15. There's an algorithm, guys. It doesn't work that way. Your mixing time doesn't get tripled. It may be two times or maybe two and a quarter. And if you do three or four times, you'll probably start degrading things. So there's a lot of science and math that we've tried to apply. The biggest thing that has happened, though, I think, that has made in sanitary conditions an issue in this cross-chemical contamination that led us to Eagle Shield was that more and more pharmacies have done more and more different products, different types of products, different classes of products. And I have seen people try to clean their lab bench with alcohol. Alcohol doesn't clean anything. Alcohol doesn't clean. It's not detergent. It's not water. It doesn't solubilize anything. And they're there cleaning something, and all you have to do is, once you're done cleaning, it's nice, smooth, go ahead and take a swab and go test that, it's got the drug in it. It's still there because it doesn't solubilize, all right? And when we say that out loud, we know it. But what we have attempted to do is to make it significantly easier for the pharmacist to feel safe, to mitigate the pharmacy risk, to mitigate patient risk. It's all about mitigating risk so the value that comes to somebody comes without fear, comes without it's as much security as you can get. So here you go. We developed this surface shield program, which is nothing. We send you a little aluminum foil pack that's got a little bottle of sterile water in it. It's got some swabs. You take it out. It's got a little template. You, you will go and uh, att attempt to solubilize and pick up and swab the area where you think you should have cleaned. You go do that, and you put that back in that bottle. You, sh you screw it down, put it in an aluminum foil pouch. It mails right back to us. Or you can throw it in your normal samples to come through it. It's, it's up to you. And we will tell you about the existence or non-existence. Now, several things we can do with that. We were really focused for one of our, our pharmacies that was doing antineoplasts. So we have a whole list of antineoplasts that we can do. We also have others, and we are adding more every month to go do that. Because remember I told you we test 1,000 compounds? That means we have tested that many drugs, and we have that many methods developed and that many type of level detection systems that we try to put together so we can tell you what it, what it is. 
Is there a level of detection that's critical? Yes, there's a number. It's a math number. Don't worry about it. We got this. We'll give you the asterisk. We'll tell you what it is. But it's not supposed to be there, ever. And if you can measure it, it means you have a chance to cross-contaminate. And Sebastian, you mentioned penicillins. In the GMP world, it can't be in the same plant. Mm -hmm. It's got to be in a whole different place. And I worked in one of those places where we had to take a shower to go from one building to another building. You had to completely undress and go forward. So it's, it's something you see that's, that's important depending upon how immunogenic the product is, right? If you're very sensitive to it, if you're very allergic to it, it's a big deal. But cross-chemical contamination is by definition insanitary. Insanitary means it's not supposed to be there. It doesn't mean dirty. And, and, and I'm, I'm kind of, I, I do want to harp on this because I know uh, one of my colleagues, Matt Martin, has discussed this. Cleaning is not a sufficient term anymore. And so I'm going to get into that and I'm going to say deactivation, decontamination, and cleaning process has to be, like you said, validated through this surface sampling testing. And so we think that, yeah, alcohol, it'll work. It might solubilize, but it evaporates and leaves residue. So we have to have a three-step process for hazardous drugs, minimum two-step process for the non-hazardous, but still has to be validated and proven to be effective and, and appropriate. And I, I've actually gotten calls about this now from state boards, um, as well as in Canada, provincial regulatory authorities are starting to say, do you have a surface sampling um, protocol? We want to know if there's any risk of cross-contamination. And they're starting to ask those questions. So you're not just waiting for the FDA to walk in. State boards are already there. So, But yeah, I, I, I'm sorry to interrupt the flow because I know Matt, he's, he's been harping on this and it's, it's ingrained. So deactivation, decontamination, cleaning, DDC, that process is so, so, so very important. So jumping into Eagle Shield and, mm -hmm. and what this is all about, you, you obviously talked about how it works the swab within the template, you know, sending it back in, and then you guys do all the magic behind the scenes and they provide the results. I know a common question that any listener would probably think of is, is there a protocol for how often this needs to be done? You know, is it part of the, the cleaning validation SOP? You know, what are your, what are your feedback, what's your comments in rela relating to, you know, the approach um, and to what you would recommend for most pharmacies? I love this answer. It depends. Right. <laughs> I, te I teed you up yes. for that, didn't I? <laughs> uh, but it depends actually on volume, right? Right. So if I, if I am uh, cleaning and using anti-neoplasts once a week, uh, I'm going to probably test those first couple, three times, and if everything is good, I'm going to probably test them monthly after that. If I'm doing high volumes, and let, some people have the classic 800 rooms, right, and they do a lot of work every day. I'm not sure I don't do that at the end of every day at least once a week to go do it because the risk is so high. Yeah, you think of people making progesterone capsules all day long in the same work environment, in the same room, um, the probability or odds of, of cross-contamination is much higher, especially when there's other preparations being made in that area. Oh, ab absolutely. What we've told a couple places we work with is, so they do a nice job of cleaning all this and everything. And so I said, what about over there where that I can write my name in the dust? What do you think that dust is over there? Because they only think of work surface. Mm -hmm. And remember, when we work with powder, liquid's very different. I mean, liquids, liquids are easier to deal with. But when you're working with a powder, just think about it. We like to do smoke studies uh, in our own shop in and around our powder hoods that are not sterile just to see where would a power be flowed, where would it go, et cetera. But bigger than life, after about a month, you see a lot of dust, a lot of lots. Because remember, it's static electricity. It's not just airflow. It's static electricity. 
And, but, and it's not in, and it's not under these static conditions. It's very no. dynamic, and you have a body in the way of that airflow, and you people moving their arms and changing the air pattern in the hood. So, it's it, it's. It's pretty cool science if you can get a, a smoke machine with someone working because you can see the swirls in the back eddies. And sorry to interrupt. I get oh, no, excited it's, about it's, these studies. They're we fun. love it. We like to watch those too. We like to see the explosion when you go into vials and things like that. That it's it's pretty cool. But we now have tools, and I think when you have a tool, just knowing it exists, Mike. And I think when you when you look at something that I'm going to do a week or a month or so, I think you automatically become more aware of what you're doing. I think you watch a little bit better when you test that first time. You say, hmm, didn't quite work. Oops. We did this in a beta test, okay? We sent out probably 50 different kits to five or six different pharmacies. Two pharmacies came back clean. All the other ones had cleans and dirties. And the and dirty part went, oh, my God, what am I doing? I did the same thing, et cetera. Maybe I wasn't as careful. They all went back, and everything was perfect. So at the end of the day, it's diligence. It's focus. It's, it's watching what they do. You get, look, how COVID tired did we get after year eight, year two, right? How COVID tired? I'm tired of hearing about it. I'm not going to do it. Forget it. It's the same well, thing. When was the last time you put hand sanitizer on? Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> but isn't this also, doesn't this lend to the whole idea that being proactive leads to a corrective action, preventative action plan prior to having uh, an inspector find a concern? There's no doubt about that, but I have to tell you, I, I, I want everyone to come from the other way. I want to be proactive before it causes a problem with the patient. Absolutely. And I think that that is, um, I mean, there, there are investigators and inspectors that there's good and bad everywhere, right? But at the end of the day, when someone says, geez, I hate this or I hate that, I, I like the idea that I'm going to be tested because that means I'm going to open up my book and study. All right. If I, if I was walking through, I was getting an A and I was like auditing the course, hmm, I read what I was interested in, right? Proactive is, is what we need to always be with patient safety and risk mitigation, always. So going back, to the, right. going back to the patient, obviously this is super important from a regulatory framework, and mm -hmm. we know that, and you also mentioned the focus on, on the patient, the, on the odds and probability of cross-chemical contamination. Let me, let me take things back a sec, because a lot of the work that you do is also potency testing, and potency testing on, on finished dosage forms that are compounded. So... Where does, what's the advice? What's the feedback? What are pharmacies, the ones that are doing it right, what feedback would you have for those that don't have the awareness right now to be proactive? Well, the ones that do it right, they actually take their time, they know what's important, and they don't rush. Now, that doesn't mean they're not quick. They don't rush. Everyone that we know of that does the very good job, we have some Folks that never have an issue, if you go to their lab, it looks like some of the other labs. We go into gorgeous labs that can't make a product. They just can't because it's the people. And I think we sort of lose track of that. I think we lose track of that. I think sometimes the 797s and 800s and 795 perhaps place too much time and effort on your facility should look like this. This thing should look like that. And that's good and that's important. I like that. But it's the people. The people have to be aware, self-aware of themselves, what they're doing. The potency stuff, guys, you give a lot of classes. You know, some people can't add. 
I'm so I I'm that, not. I'm just, that, that's they, our job to teach them. But, but yes, that's a true statement. I'm going to give them a part. calculator. I mean, they they, they just they're because they're rushing because it's normal. What is it? look when we get, we have all too many, all too many potencies that come back, straight numbers. Okay, they miss the decimal points. They don't, when someone comes out with 46%, percent, which is published, we've published that one, that wasn't our highest, it, it's something other than a decimal point. It's either they forgot salt concentrations, they forgot everything, water's vac, they forgot everything. You have to slow down and make sure that you know how to do it right the first time. And then mimic that. And not to get so comfortable that, that you have this all-power knowledge that if I can make a little bit of change and tweak it, it won't matter. Tweaks don't work in our world, all right? They, they just don't work. You, you have to change something, do the math. Just, just do the math. You have, to, you have to do that. And I think that the, I think most people are really, really on top of that today, Mike and Sebastian. I've got to tell you that the ones that are the, and I don't call anybody a bad actor, the ones making the larger mistakes, some of them are new, okay? And some of them still don't get it, okay? But those are very few and far between. I'm telling you, I'm very proud of this marketplace. I'm very proud of what these people are doing. I, I am proud that they stand up for their rights. A little quieter sometimes than they should be. Sometimes they should be louder. It's so, coming from you. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, I'm the quietest person you've ever met. And so at, at the end of the day, they're, they're doing a much better job. And the much better job is simply simply saying, wait a minute, this is how we have to do it, and that's great. And the, our metrics prove it. <clears throat> so thinking about the world of 503A, I know you, Eagle works um, in conjunction, and a, a lot of your, your clients are also 503B outsourcing facilities. But when you think about 503A, um, what's, what's next on the horizon? What are things that Eagle is looking at to further improve patient safety as well as Compliance. I would love Eagle to become a sort of a go-to, push-a-button, quality analysis unit that says, here you go, you're doing fine. The process control charts was one of our first steps to make available to them because it's, it's, react, it's not reactive, it's proactive. It says you're heading in this direction. This is your process, you're in trouble. Don't do it. Go look at this before it becomes an issue. I want to know I'm going out of range before I'm out of range, all right? I want to know that. What we, what we feel we need to do for the 503As is continue to make their life so much easier they can focus on pharmacy. I don't want them to focus on, on anything but to know that someone is doing the right thing and knowing what that right thing is. I have to be clean. I have to make sure I'm not dirty. I have to have my math right. I have to make sure my potency works. I have to make sure that things are here, not there. So we want to be able to take data, analyze it for them, and give it to them, literally give it to them, so they can save a patient's lives, to make a, a, better, a, a better impact on their quality of life. Can we help them by giving them other tools, other techniques? We have to be able to make them available to them that's cost effective, very frankly. We have to be cost effective, and they have to make sense, and they have to be explainable. We will continue to fight certain uh, regulatory issues that would indicate that some of the higher tech systems aren't acceptable for certain pharmacies. As a scientist, I'd say that's patently absurd, but we, that, that's me being quiet again. We will work through that, but it is, it is our job, I think, to make sure the most cost-effective 
efficient scientific methods that exist in the world today are applied to our pharmacies. They need to be made available to them, period. And we're getting better and better there. That's why we can do studies now with bracketing and matricing, which is something that was never, bracketing everybody understands, matricing is a little odd for some folks, but using bracket matricing, we can tell you how to do a whole lot of things, predict exactly how it's going to work and be there plus or minus a percent and a half and have a nice day and it didn't cost you a darn thing. That means you can make it better for the patient. And that's what it's all about. It's better for the patient. That's, that's value. And that's what we do. All right, Ross, from um, kind of a recap point of view, you talked a lot about a new product at Eagle called Eagle Shield. We, we discussed obviously the full scope of what your offerings are. There's, there's an honest misnomer in the marketplace. You know, Eagle is a standalone corporation. Um, they are a sister company of PCCA, but in order to do business with Eagle Analytical, you do not need to be a PCCA member. It's, it's really important to bring that up. I obviously touched on the fact that you do business with 503B registered outsourcing facilities. You deal with other independent community pharmacies in North America as well as Australia that have the full ability to basically look at anything from an analytical perspective. So anything that you want to add in terms of if someone does have a question, concerns, or looking for support, um, also from a consulting point of view, um, how would they connect with a member of your team? What's the easiest way to get a hold of Eagle? Well, easiest way to connect is to go to the website, eagleanalytical.com, and there's all sorts of contacts in there. And, and, yes, you can call me, and I would just turn that to Lisa. But if you could just call in there and get there, you can get the number. But it, it is true that there is a, a sort of a bit of a confusion. Eagle works with everybody. Uh, I, will, I will say that community pharmacists from a number probably are maybe 75% of our business, but only 75% of our business. We do, we work with a lot of hospitals independent as well as systems. We work with CMOs, CDMOs. We work with big pharma. We work with state health departments. We work with um, research institutes. We, we are an, heavily involved in INDs and activities. So we, we don't turn anyone away. If you are a brand new pharmacist and a brand new pharmacy and you're thinking about being with PCCA, which you should be if you're brand new, by the way, and you call us and it ultimately gets to one of our people or to me and they say, well, what do you think? What do you do? We will spend an hour on the phone with you. We'll talk with you. We'll explain to you. We'll try to get you to walk down the path. I think anybody starting up that doesn't go to PCCA is a mistake because PCCA absolutely gets everybody off and running, gets some traction, gets them, to, gets them to go. I think anybody that's trying to expand who doesn't come with Eagle is a bit confused. We have a consulting group that works with not only remodels, because everybody likes to remodel, because I'm going to grow and I need a new 800 room and I want to do it for $27. Yeah, we can't do that one. Okay, but it, we will show you how to do things and how to do it cost effectively. We have built 503Bs from the ground up. Now, it's, it's nice with Nikos that you, you have all of the opportunity to go in there and do it with a modular system, but we went in with a system that was already walls. There was, it was always, you know, they're there. And so what do you do? So our engineers, and we have a staff of engineers. We have mechanical engineers, HVAC engineers, electrical engineers at Eagle. Now, as we said, the market has grown and changed. We didn't have any engineers five years ago. Okay, so we have all of those. We do CAD drawings and designs. We work with contractors. We work with architects. We do all of that. 
but we don't limit ourselves. What we also try to do is be one-stop shopping. If you come to us and we're working with you and there's a test or an activity that we cannot do, we will vet someone for you. We will find the right person and we will put our reputation behind the quality of that work. We will not upcharge you for that event. We just pass the cost along and say, have a nice day. We want the market, we want people to succeed. We want to make a difference in life to patients. That's what we want. But we're, we're open to pretty much everybody. And, and one last comment. I've had a couple of questions come from people. They're like, this new test, what is that replacing? Um, do we have to do this? And I think I asked you before the podcast, we're not eliminating any services. We're, we're just adding to our repertoire. We just keep adding and adding because we recognize what the needs are of our pharmacies and different company uses. So I, I, I think you're wise on that. The, the, the swab kit that we're doing here uh, doesn't replace anything except maybe a $50,000 study that other people used to do by going in and contaminating and developing methods and doing that stuff. And we've done some of those for large companies. And we make use of that knowledge. You don't, we, we're just adding. We're not replacing, we're adding. It's so well said. You know, Ross, it means a lot that you, ca you came back. I, I thought about episode three and four and I'm like, wow, it's been that long? I talk to you all the time. So I, yeah. I always get all this information. I'm like, sometimes I feel like I speak to you for 30, 40 minutes and we're not recording where we probably should have been. Um, Cause it's just a side oh, dialogue. Thank you. But no, I, I rely a lot on you. Um, personally and professionally, because you provide me a lot of insight in terms of what's going on, how we can better improve patient care, but not only that, how we can also help out our independence. And I know we work very closely together, but probably means a lot to our audience. It really provides them an amazing, I guess you can say just overall insight as to what the market is looking at, what's important to Eagle, what's important for patients, um, and obviously what's important for compliance. So, you know, as a whole, that means a lot. It should mean a lot to our audience as well because we, we often have episodes dedicated to regulatory compliance. But this all ties in. You know, they have the tools, they have the resources, and just as a recap, if anyone is requiring any consulting work, um, would like to know further in terms of what Eagle can do to support from a testing and analytical point of view, definitely go to www.eagleanalytical.com. And a member of the Eagle team will definitely reach back out to you. But it means a lot, Ross. Thanks so much for spending time with us. Oh, it's my pleasure. I love it. Yeah, we do too. You're going to probably come back. I can feel it. There you go. Awesome. And thanks, Seb. Uh, and thanks again to all of our listeners out there. As uh, always, tip and trick, please subscribe to this podcast so that you do not miss an episode. And if you do have a chance, don't, don't hesitate to rate if you do enjoy following along. Uh, definitely helps us out with our metrics as well. So don't hesitate to hit five stars, leave feedback, and let us know what you're looking for. But um, just once again, thanks again to our listeners. Until next time, this is Mike Delisio, and we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>